Hello everybody and welcome to Jack's Corner. I'm your host Tarzan Bonanno and with me as always is our founder Jack Figgle. Today Jack wants to talk about the new book that was just released on Eastern Christian Publications that they may all be won by Sophia Martin. How you doing Jack? Morning Tarzan. I'm doing terrific. Except it's cold. Winter has finally arrived. It is December. And the leaves are now all off the trees and all over my yard. So, at least we'll be covered by snow some, soon. Yeah, got to do some get some. Well, we don't. We may. Last year we didn't get any snow at all. Yeah, different locations, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Well, this is a a really, uh, I think, important book that I'm very, very proud of. Um, it's about our trip, our pilgrimage that we took over the summer to Constantinople and to the Holy Land. And it's significant for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, um, given the political situation in the Middle East, in Israel in particular, um, it may not be safe for pilgrims to go to the sites of the Holy Land anytime soon. Uh, I know I wouldn't want to go there now. When we were deciding on when to go on this trip this year, when I was making my plans two years ago, I was trying to decide between going in July when it's hot, but there's smaller crowds, or going in October when it's cooler, but there are more crowds, and therefore it's harder to get to sites and pray and spend time. And I was weighing the two options, and thank God the Holy Spirit inspired me to pick July, because if we had gone in October, we would have been there when the war broke out. And and it could have been disastrous, given that I've heard of horror stories of groups that are were trapped there on October the 7th that had to pay oodles of money to get overland transportation into Jordan to get out of Israel and get back to the West. Yeah, definitely would not want to be part of that. So I thank my lucky stars, namely the Holy Spirit, for intervening in my head and uh, helping me decide to go in July. Uh, we had 20 pilgrims, including uh, Bishop John Michael Botin of the Romanian Greek Catholic Diocese of Canton. Uh, he was our spiritual director. We had an Orthodox priest a Greek Catholic priest, a Greek Catholic deacon, two Melkite subdeacons, and two of us were readers. So we had every office of the church represented in our group. We had, I think, four couples and one complete family of the mother, father, and two teenage kids. Now that had to be hard to wrangle. <laughs> uh, and the teenage kids were both handicapped. Um and so they had difficulty get around, uh, getting around, but I had more difficulty uh, in walking. So I missed half the trip because I had to sit on the bus. Uh, but they, uh, even despite their handicap, they, they did not need wheelchairs, but they certainly had trouble walking. And they, uh, they were real troopers. They went to every place and so forth. Well, at the end of the trip, the group, sort of came to the conclusion that they had such a, a great spiritual experience 
that we wanted to write a book about the trip. And I told them that I happen to know a book publisher, namely myself. <laughs> and so we could, we could easily publish a book. And the consensus was that we should have uh, the, the one young girl uh, from this family uh, write it from her perspective, from, from the perspective of her going through all the spiritual uh, experiences and the physical challenges she had to get around and so forth. And so she actually told us, coincidentally, that she was going to be taking an English course her first year of college, uh, and that she already knew in advance that one of the assignments was to write a book during the semester. And so the two dovetailed together from day one. So this uh, this book is also her school assignment? She just... Yes. I, it's the kind of thing you kind of... Uh, yeah, it's the kind of thing I daydream about where it's just like, oh, I have to do this anyways. Oh, look, something that makes... Uh, Makes me a little bit of money. That's that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Also, from a spiritual uh, perspective standpoint, um, obviously it's um, her spiritual journey through the day she was there, right? And so, just kind of like a, a almost a daily journal, so it can help people. It's her school project, and. It can get into a bunch of people's hands. I don't know. That just seems amazing to me. Yep. Well, and and if you take that one step further, given the political situation and that pilgrims who want to go to the Holy Land can't go, they can read her book and experience it just the same. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming this, this girl is from the family that had the handicapped kids? Yep. Uh, well, she is one of the handicapped children. Um, well, that, her e- and her that brother, even heightens it. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. She's one of the handicapped. And, and so, you know, she was uh, a, an inspired selection when it was suggested that she write the book because she's handicapped. And she has a brilliant mind. She and her older brother, they both have the same genetic uh, handicap that I don't know a lot of details about, but it's extremely rare. And in fact, it's so rare that uh, b- children born with it uh, don't survive past one year old. And she turned 17 the day we left, and her brother is 19. And she's entering college, you said, right? Like, Yeah, that's right. And she's only 17. Yeah. I mean... So she's very smart and was an amazing student of the trip, uh, and she, and, and, and in fact, uh, the, uh, the group, uh, in talking to her, just learned so much. Uh, and it was funny, at the end of the day, when we get on the bus to go back to our hotel after the last site, the tour guide would be like the teacher and ask the bus um, questions about the places we'd been and things we'd seen during the day, like a teacher would do at the end of the school day of all the assignments and things that uh, they covered during the day. And so he would ask the bus different questions. And uh, these two teenagers were sitting up in the third row. I was in like the second row and the, the bishop and the tour, direct, the tour, the, uh, tour guy were in the first row. 
So when the tour guide asked the questions at the end of the day uh, of the places we'd been and things we'd seen, they were always the first to put their hands up. They always had the answers. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, if you remember from school days, the kids in the front row that were always putting their hand up, pick me, pick me, pick me. Well, they weren't doing it that in, in such a way. And she was um, uh, bemoaning the fact that it was too bad we weren't there two days later on the Feast of St. Elijah. Hmm. And her mother said to her, yes, but on the Latin calendar, today is the Feast of St. Elijah. Which just means, yeah. <laughs> and and so and and uh, her mother told her, Mr. Figgles, Byzantine Catholic, and doesn't know the Latin calendar, but somehow somebody picked that we were here on the feast of Saint Elijah. <laughs> somebody, capital it, S again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and there were half a dozen of these things that she 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 notes in the book. And, and tells us about through her wonderful writing skills and stories. Um, the, the, the thing uh, that also struck me uh, besides that was the spirituality that she already has as a 17-year-old uh, that comes through her writing and that Bishop John Michael picked up on because we asked him to write the foreword to the book mm. because he was our spiritual director on the trip, so he was there. Uh, and so he knew of, you know, our experiences and things. And if I could, I'd just like to quote uh, a little bit from his forward. Um, and he said, uh, uh, let's see. Likewise, until this pilgrimage, I did not know what I was missing, not having visited the sites where our Lord lived, worked, died and rose. He had never been to the Holy Land before. This was his first trip. Mm. And, and, and he says, there's a world of experience available to one who journeys with eyes of faith open to such places as these. Now that I've been there, I, like many pilgrims, found the Bible come to life in new ways. But I still didn't know what I was missing, even during my pilgrimage, until I read the book that you're reading now. To be sure, this book will bring back powerful memories and all of us who journeyed with Sophia, but it will do more than that. I did not realize how many details escaped my notice at many of the sites until Sophia's careful cataloging of them here brought them to my attention. Her rendering of the events of those days showed me to my chagrin what I had not been paying attention to, what I had been missing. By this, I mean more than the physical details of the places themselves. Her profound appreciation of each place from the point of view of her deep spirituality, made me wonder if I had really been on the same trip. So even the bishop found her book to be spiritually uplifting and revealing of things that he had missed, and he was there. That is so beautiful. I don't... If you, if you feel the same way, let me know. But as I'm hearing this, what he said, the parts of the story, even her background, it up to the point where she and her brother, right, her brother, had their hands up the entire time every time there was a question to be answered. It almost makes me feel, or, or it reminds me of, when our Lord was found oh, at the temple where 
uh, his mother and St. Joseph had to find him again, uh, where they were astonished by his answers. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I hadn't thought of that connection, but you're absolutely right. They were doing those sorts of things on the trip. Uh, and um, uh, their, their handicap is physical, but not mental at all. Um, and unfortunately, their handicap is very obvious to someone who meets them because it's a bit of facial deformity. Their hands are not formed quite right. They have trouble walking. Their ankles are not right. Um, and they're half the size in terms of height that they should be at their age. Um, so they're, they're, you know, not to, to bemoan or to criticize anyone, uh, but they're sort of midget size. Um, and uh, when you see pictures of them in the book, uh, you can see obviously who they are because they're, they're fairly short. And you wonder why are these short people on this trip? And here they were the ones who were, you know, getting the most experience out of it. And, um, uh, and so her stories are one thing, but she and her mother chronicled the trip with some 1,500 pictures. Mm. And then she spent the time and did the work to put 500 of those pictures in the book with captions that tell us what they were and where she was and what's, what's going on and how they relate back to the story she tells. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. You know, uh, I had a stroke when I was two months old and a lot of people tell me that I'm an inspiration and it always bothers me, but I can't help but to feel that same way for the, for this girl and her family. Um, as somebody who's dealt with a handicap his whole life, the fact that these people, this girl and her brother have, you know, a uh, a handicap that I would say is much more deserving of that title than my own. Um, they have now, just within this conversation, have become an inspiration to me. And I'm sure they're an inspiration to many others who are listening, who will read this book. But it's just, I, I'm, I'm in tears over here, just hearing the, the beauty that came from this trip, from, frankly, the most unlikely of people. But... You know, those are the kind of people that God uses the most, you know. You wouldn't expect the Lord of all creation to pick fishermen to be the head of his church, but he did. You wouldn't expect kids who can barely walk to make such a beautiful sounding, at least to my ears, book, but yet he did anyway. Absolutely, and I, you know... When I asked her to write the book on the last day of the trip, we were sitting in the airport and she said yes. And, and, she, and then she said, oh, by the way, I have this book project that I have to write. So this will just be perfect. And, and then we talked details. I said, well, you know, you, you can write your book project first and then we'll take that text, add the pictures and we'll make a book out of it. And she agreed. And that was the process we went through. And when I got the first chapter or two and start reading it, even, even the first chapter, it was humorous, engaging, and inspirational all at the same time. Um, and, and if I could just read uh, the first couple of paragraphs from chapter one. Please uh, do. Because please I, I find do. her style. Sorry? I said, please do. 
Like, without hesitation. I want to hear it. (laughs) Okay. So this is how she starts chapter one. And it's simply chapter one and the date. So chapter one was July 10th. And it starts at the very, very, very first words under the chapter title. Visit, 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 visit. July 10, the alarm went off. It was six o'clock in the morning. All our luggage was packed and already in the trunk of our car. All we had to do was shower, get dressed and hit the road. We would grab breakfast at the first Dunkin' Donuts on the way. Origination, Bronx, New York. Interim destination, Dulles Airport, Washington. Final destination, Istanbul, Turkey. This day, July 10th, was a special day for me because it was my 17th birthday. And although I dreaded spending it in the car for a four-hour ride and then on an airplane for a 10-hour flight, I was also excited to leave and visit new places. The car ride from Bronx, New York to Washington, D.C. was very pleasant and uneventful. Mom did the driving, so it was fast and smooth. My brother and my dad read the newspaper and played crossword puzzles together. I enjoyed 1,000 Gifts, a book by Anne Voskamp, a birthday gift from Mom, and listened to a podcast and some songs on my MP3 player. We reached the airport in just under four hours and were able to check in and get good seats for our flight to Turkey. Mr. Jack Fiegel, founder and manager of Eastern Christian Publications and the Oriental Element Foundation, an ecumenical foundation that promotes dialogue and education among diverse faith groups, was the organizer of this trip. A few days before our departure, he had given us and all the other pilgrims a meeting place at the airport. So we found it and waited for other pilgrims to arrive. We did not know anyone else, but guessed that we would be able to recognize them as they came. In fact, mom was quick in pointing out our potential fellow travelers who indeed turned out to be coming with us. I have no idea how she could pick them out, but she did. When Mr. Figgle arrived, he started introducing himself and all the pilgrims to each other. He also gifted each one of us with a beautiful icon depicting the Annunciation of the Archangel Gabriel to Mary for us to keep as a momentum of the pilgrimage. He suggested we take it to the various places we were to visit and touch it to all the holy sites so as to make it a third-class relic. Mom and I did just that, and mine now has a central place in our prayer corner at home. Soon the time came for all of us to head to the gate and board the plane. At 4.40 p.m., as per schedule, we were airborne. And that's chapter one. Wow. You know... Uh, it, 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 goes, it goes on and on. It gets better and better as she relates the stories and she puts her own perspective into each one. And she adds... Uh, spiritual, there, I, I swear there, there must have been a dozen events that she experienced that indeed I had not planned on. For example, the fact that we left on her 17th birthday. That was not me. <laughs> no, that, that's just good narration. God knew this book was going to happen, and he knew that this girl could write. And so he's like, how do I make this story as great as possible? 
uh, without being the greatest story ever told, because that's obviously Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but I almost forgot that it was um, that that it was a journal. Uh, she she wove she wove it very well uh, to just sound like a beginning of some crazy adventure story, which I mean. It definitely is. You're in the heart of a foreign land and learning all the stuff about our faith. So, you know, but it was, it was definitely beautiful. I was a little bit nervous at the very beginning with all the bzz, bzz, bzz. I thought the, the yeah. mic was uh, breaking, but then I was like, oh, no, it's her alarm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's part when, when you read it. And you start and you see all these visits on the page. That was my first impression was, what the heck is this? What are these? And then after you see nine of them and then she says it was the alarm going off, then it hits you that, oh, that's what she's talking about. And she does it just with the sound of the of the clock. Well, I mean, think about the uh, just just for an instant, uh, just for a minute here. Think about the fact that we're recording a podcast, right? And you and I are not in the same room physically. We're using Zoom. So you're like, bzz, bzz, bzz. I'm like, is she trying to say Byzantine? And he's just like glitching <laughs> in the app. Nope, nope. It's her alarm. It is her alarm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's, here's just one more paragraph in chapter two, very early on. Uh, when we arrived in Istanbul, uh, one of the other pilgrims on the trip suggested to me that we stop at the Patriarchate because we had a full day free. We landed in the morning, didn't couldn't check into our hotel till late afternoon. So we had, you know, sort of four hours to kill in Constantinople. So, you know, when you're a Byzantine Catholic and you have that much time to spare, what do you do? So Marlene suggested that we go to the Ecumenical Patriarchate and just sort of go into church and pray. So... This is what happened, according to Sophia. Midway through the ride, this is from the airport into the city, Mr. Figel announced that we would take a detour and make a stop, since according to the Byzantine calendar, it was the feast of the translation of St. Euphemia's relics. We would stop by the Ecumenical Patriarchate Church, where her remains are located. St. Euphemia's relics had played a crucial role during the Fourth Ecumenical Council in Chalcedon in 451 AD, and after a series of transfers had finally reached Constantinople. What a beautiful welcome, I thought. Once we were inside the church, after praying over her remains, together with other pilgrims, we walked around the church. It was beautiful, full of icons, gold, candles, and dark carved wooden furnishings. I went all around taking pictures so I could remember it forever. All of a sudden, though, I saw my mom almost pass out. The color had drained from her face and she was very still. I did not know what was wrong with her. So I asked her several times, but she just stared ahead, her eyes welling up with tears. When she finally managed to move, she pointed to an icon in front of her. We were standing in the left aisle of the church. There laying in front of us were the remains of the three holy hierarchs, St. Basil the Great, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, the theologian, and none other than St. John Chrysostom. I understood. She did not need to say anything more. 
After mom fell in love with the Ruthenian rite, she decided to read more from the early church fathers. Given that the divine liturgy most frequently celebrated in Ruthenian rite is attributed to St. John Chrysostom, and that she had loved what she had read by him in the past, after all, Chrysostom means gold mouth, not for nothing. This past January, she committed to spend a year reading all of St. John Chrysostom's works that she could get her hands on. I can report that she has been at it, at it religiously, pun intended, every night, but has only read a fraction, maybe a third of his countless sermons. I suspect it will take her at least a couple more years to accomplish her task. Over these months, I think that mom has come to love him in a special way, and I notice that she always smiles when, at the ever, end of every liturgy, he is called up to intercede for us. Happily, given this episode, I think the love is mutual. Having said this, mom's reaction upon un un unexpectedly finding her friend there was all on her arrival was understandable. I myself would have screamed and jumped for joy. You know, and that's just that's up just up through page seven out of 290 pages. You know, she says <clears throat> in that paragraph that you just read um, that her mom religiously read St. Chrysostom. Um, how much reading does this that did Sophia do just for fun? Because she's over here like. Oh, this is what's going on um, in, you know, our liturgical calendar. This is this. This is that. Like, she just, she knew this instinctively during it. Like, like as a convert, I've, I've read all this stuff. I, I, I would imagine I, I could see some of it. But, like, she's over here like, obviously, if you are of any descent of Christianity, you would know this. Like, this is like, whoa. <laughs> Talk about doing something religiously. Yeah, that that's exactly what I found. And not so much on the trip because I was in charge of things. I didn't have a lot of time to spend with any individual pilgrim. And they were making friends with the other folks on the trip uh, and so forth. So I didn't get to know them very well. But I've gotten to know them through through uh, her, uh, you know, her experience. I've learned so much more about what happened on the trip. Um, it's like, did I really, was I one, the one who organized this? It wasn't my trip. And no, she's you not know, the same thing it, I did. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's the same reaction as the Bishop had. Was I on the same trip? She saw all this stuff and she had all these insights that I never would have thought of and had not ever thought of. And I've been there, you know, this is up to Istanbul. I've been there 20 some times. And she found this, I didn't know about this St. Euthymia and the fact that, she played such a role at the end of the, the Council of Chalcedon because it was her body and her arm uh, that that pointed to the uh, text that they decided to go with. And it was, you know, they, they, they used her remains to make the decisions that came out of that council. No, but seriously, there, like, what? You just, you she knew from the jump that that was, that was this day, that was this place, that was... Like, nothing is coming to my head about any council right now, but besides the fact that it's, you know, Advent and all the jokes are about how, you know, St. Nicholas decked a heretic, not decked the halls. 
<laughs> like right. Right. this girl over here, like, yo, again, just like, yeah, just typical day, typical feast day. Nobody here knew about, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Or they did. Yeah, and I <laughs> thought they did. I, I, I've been a Ruthenian my whole life. I was born and raised in this church and she knows more about it, you know, tenfold than I do. Sorry, uh, it's my dad, but I'm ignoring it. So go back from where you started <laughs> there. Okay. Um, yeah, you were commenting about how many insights she had. So Yeah, so you've so, been a Ruthenian yeah. all your life. That's where I walked off. Yeah. So I've been a Ruthenian my whole life, and I didn't know these things that she knows. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, approaching 70, 70 years of experience and supposed education, and she knows more about my own church and more about Chrysostom and St. Euthymia and all the rest than, than I probably ever will, except for reading her book. And now, so do it's, you know? It's, Sorry, continue. It's, it's a diary, it's a religious experience that she's telling us her, her stories, and it's educational. Um, in terms of the details she points out and how they can stick in your mind, because now. I'm looking at a picture of St. John Chrysostom that her mother took when she had these tears welling up in her eyes. Uh, so, and, and with all the pictures, the book, I think, is going to serve as, um, uh, you know, capturing not only these early stories in Istanbul, but in the Holy Land, when she comes up with all of these connections with the Bible and Scripture, and the life of Jesus, as you just mentioned, in the temple at age 12, um, she comes up with homiletics almost on every page that we've never, that I've never heard, um, in terms of connecting where we were physically, the scripture story that goes with it, and some spiritual meaning that comes out of it. Uh, and again, back to the fact that. I'm coming to realize we may never be able to get back to the Holy Land as a Westerner ever. I mean, if this war carries on or something worse happens, um, this may be the last chance of anyone being able to go there and experience it. And she's captured it with her stories and with the pictures they took so that it's 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 just like being there, uh, even even more so. That was God's plan. Because if you go there, you don't you hear. If you go there, you don't hear all this, all the, all the connections. She needs to lead her own trip. That's what I'm hearing. If yeah, we ever well, get back, if, if we're ever able to get back, she needs to lead her own trip, her own pilgrimage. And if not, just give her a new place to lead a pilgrimage at. <laughs> if she, if she has all those things locked away in her mind like that, yeah. She could do any pilgrimage. Yeah. Well, just just to wrap this up, let me read the end of Bishop John Michael's forward because it relates to what you just said. He, he says, in chapter 13, she notes about one of our other fellow pilgrims, quote, I was almost envious when I discovered that although he is one year younger than I, the 16-year-old son of the Orthodox priest was also with us on the trip. He is one year younger than I, and he already knows his vocation. He's going to be a priest. 
I have asked the Lord many times to let me know, but so far he has been silent on that front, end quote from the book. The bishop goes on. In my opinion, Sophia is not far from getting the Lord's answer. She is already a missionary disciple, a witness, a talented storyteller, and a woman of great insight, perception, and powers of observation. It makes me happy to imagine what God will be giving us through her in years to come. First and foremost, she's an author now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And a good one. And that's what I, I, when I read the first chapter, I wrote back to her and I said, you know, Sophia, this is, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. It's, you know, and, and I, I have to admit in 30 years of book publishing as a hobby and now as my sort of full-time gig in, in retirement, um, it's only the second book I've actually read that I published. Uh, the first one was, uh, the introduction to Eastern Christianity that Lawrence Cross originally wrote that I edited and updated 25 years ago. And it's kind of one of our bestsellers. We sold over a thousand copies in 30 years. And I think this is another book along those same lines that it's, it's powerful, it's educational, and um, it really gives everyone a, a spiritual glimpse into the Holy Land that a lot of us only hear about through the scripture stories. And this is a totally different perspective um, that uh, I think is down to earth and really relevant for us in our times. I'm telling you now, I'm buying this book. Whether it's for me or my wife, this book is getting to my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Glad to hear it. So it's available on the Eastern Christian Publication website, uh, ecpubs.com. Uh, it's right there on the, the landing page. It's also on the page of new titles. It's the most recent one. It was released and announced on the Feast of St. Nicholas on Wednesday of this week. I thought that was an appropriate date. Um, and so uh, orders placed by the 15th, which is a week from today, we will give special priority in terms of shipping to make sure it arrives in time for Christmas presents. Nice. Well, <laughs> let's not give too much more away on this uh, book for those who want to read it. Um, I'm <laughs> going to assume that is all for the day. <laughs> um, yes, yes, that is. Uh, I, oh, I just maybe just a warning that because of the 290 pages of 500 color photographs, it's a bit of a pricey book. So I don't want people to have sticker shock when they look at it. It's going to be, it's, it's a little oversized. It's six by nine to allow for nice color pictures, but it's, it's $40 a copy. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair for, I mean, the, the masterful writing that we've heard within this episode and the fact that you said colored photos, not black and white colored photos. I, I think that's a fair price, at least for me. I don't know about anybody else. (laughs) Um, and and even just even just reading it, I think it's going to make uh, the scripture stories that we we hear in church on Sundays come alive because you'll be able to see the actual site where those stories took place. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and just to give one example, one of the places we went uh, the, the morning after we landed in in Israel, we drove immediately up to Galilee and we stayed in Nazareth. 
And from our hotel, from where the bus dropped us off, we had to walk through the little streets and we visited the synagogue where Christ read from Isaiah foretelling his arrival in which he concludes, you have heard this scripture fulfilled this day. And we walked next door and had a divine liturgy at the Melkite Greek Catholic Church next door to the synagogue where Christ actually preached. That is, that is beautiful. Well, all right there. I think we should wrap it up and let everybody be surprised when they pick up their own copy. <clears throat> everybody listening, thank you for coming to this episode of Jack's Corner. I hope it was as much beauty for you as it was for me. Uh, if you couldn't tell, I did a lot more talking uh, <laughs> just because of how sheer amazement it was. So again, thank you for coming, and uh, God bless. Have a good day. Bye.